Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning and welcome again to our Sunrise Project call. As always, I'm happy you're here with us this week and I know we're all going to find a moment of peace and a moment of solace as we learn from each other and listen to one another and especially our experts here today that are going to share their experiences with us. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I am so, so honored to have with us Coach Beverly Kearney, who's one of my dear, dear friends and life coaches. I met Beverly, who's also known as Coach Bev, in 2007 in Austin, Texas, when we were both there walking around a model home, looking for a home when uh, my family was moving to Austin at that time. I looked up, we both looked up, we shouted, hey, because we hadn't seen many people that looked like us that day. And we became close friends ever since then. And I really do believe in divine connections and believe that Bev Kearney is one of those divine connections that I am meant to have in my life. And she's here with us today to share with us, oh, so much wisdom. Bev Kearney is a living example that greatness is possible despite the obstacles that we face. Her passion and gift for coaching, consulting, and mentoring has inspired individuals and groups in various professions to achieve their highest successes. Bev is recognized as one of the most successful coaches in NCAA history, and she's been inducted to various halls of fame as a sports legend, including the prestigious International Women's Sports Hall of Fame. Her record of seven national championships is one of the highest among Black and female coaches in this country. However, Bev herself is no stranger to transition and crisis. In her senior year of high school, she lost her mother and was homeless by the age of 17. She also was in a terrible, terrible accident that she may share with us in which they, they told her she would never walk again. But not only does she walk, she drives, she does everything, and she's amazing. She is also a BET Honors Award recipient of the BET Legacy Award for Education, and she won the award that year along the likes of the late, great Dr. Maya Angelou, Stevie Wonder, and the Tuskegee Airmen. I could go on and on and on and on, and yet I, will, I want to get to the conversation this morning. I also just want to mention, though, that she does have an incredible book called Believe It, Speak It, Do It, which is focused on finding peace within our purpose. Now I'd like to turn it over to Bev. And this morning, we're gonna talk about how we can stop micromanaging our children. 
Bev and her beautiful daughter, Amani, uh, are here with us this morning to have a conversation about how we as parents can stop hovering, how we can allow space and allow our children to breathe. I know for myself, when my children were small, uh, Kyle and Chris, I put them in every sport. I put them in all kinds of social organizations. I micromanaged everything that was going on in school. I pushed and pushed and pushed for them to get A's and B's and to excel in everything they do. And what I know for sure is that sometimes that pressure can be way too much for them. And sometimes they can snap. Or in my case, they might look for ways to feel better or ways to self-soothe or self-medicate because it's just too much pressure. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. So Bev is here with Amani this morning to share with us how can we learn to empower our children and how can we stop being mommy, um, really hovering over them the way many of us do with good intentions, but sometimes it's just too much. So Bev and Amani, thank you so much for being here this morning. Appreciate you both. And Bev, I want to turn it over to you to get us started this morning with just that question. Can you share with us your experience with Amani um, when, when she was growing up and some of your key learnings that you can help us with today? Thank you, everybody. And thank you, Kelly. And especially thank you, my daughter, Imani, for getting on the call. I'm really excited to be here this morning and uh, to share with you again. And I thought it was important to bring my daughter on simply because, you know, oftentimes we hear a parent's side and aversion. She and I have not discussed what we're going to discuss today. Um, but um, Imani, I adopted after the car accident that I was in, that her mother passed away when she, she, she actually turned three in the hospital or four. Which one was it, Monty? I think it was three. Yeah, she turned three during the accident. And um, she's, but she's been with me since the day she was born in and out of my life. And it was just only a natural progression that she was always my child, always my baby. She's, a, she's an amazing loving spirit, full of energy, full of life. And um, we were very close. Everywhere I went, she went. So she hates athletics. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was always at track meets, always around the athletes. And uh, I, I remember when we were struggling financially after I lost my job and, and I, would, I would buy her all these athletic outfits. And she said, mom, we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> And I'm definitely not going to be exercising. So can you stop wasting money buying me these athletic outfits and shoes? I said, oops, okay, I got the message. Um, but, you know, at some point, you know, Imani started struggling. And I believe it was right around somewhere between 10 and 12 years old, um, somewhere in that range. And um, for a moment, it feels like a moment now during that period, it felt like an eternity because I was struggling with my own transition of having lost my physical capabilities. And then um, probably another 10 years later, because that happened in 2002. And um, right around the time where I was losing my job is when she really started to, um, struggle emotionally. And I don't know if that was the final straw that kind of tipped her over or not, but I would say, Monty, it was fair to say we went through a little bit of period of what they would consider be hell. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough time in, in life, but, you know, we made it through with love and everything. Um, it was something I was going through that I didn't know how to put into words. 
And I'm sure that couldn't have been easy for you because you were just trying to understand what was going on, why I had kind of changed drastically. Looking back on it now, I just, you did everything that you could. You did everything right. That was something that I think kids just go through and they have to kind of grow up and be able to speak on it. But in the moment, it's it's a really hard thing to kind of explain to other people who are trying to help you. Especially adults, huh? Yes, especially adults. It's hard to, it's really hard to verbalize. Did you have a lot of anger? It was mainly sadness. Um, my anger turned into, it was mostly coming just from frustrations of, you know, I, I, I was noticing that I was changing and there was nothing that I could do about it. And that was really frustrating at that age. Um, but yeah, it was mostly, it was mostly sadness and it was a whole culmination of things, but you did help trying to get me in counseling and everything. I personally, um, I don't like talking to people I'm very, I'm a very closed off person, but it comes a point in life where you do have to speak on what you're going through. You can't hold everything in or else you're, you're going to break one day. You're going to explode from being overwhelmed. Do you remember a trigger at all, Imani? Was there a trigger when around 11 or 12 at all? Or was it just, like you said, a culmination of multiple things? I... I think my trigger, because I was, I was in counseling at that time, I think my trigger was just trying to speak about what had happened with my mother. Um, since it had happened at such a young age, I still hadn't grieved properly. I hadn't dealt with all of those emotions. And it was just, I didn't want to, I knew what my mom was going through and I didn't want to be just another kind of weight on her shoulders with that. So I was holding everything in until, like I said, I, I, I kind of got overwhelmed and exploded. And it was just no going back after that. <laughs> and what she means is that when her mother died in a car accident, I was also injured in the car accident. And then of course I was going through some discrimination stuff over the next 10 years with the University of Texas. And then it turned into this big public outpouring. And I'm very, very open, very, very honest. And I had an honest conversation with them about um, the relationship that I got in trouble with that was 10 years earlier, but you guys can Google that and figure that out. But I walked in and I, I asked my daughter who at, at the time, I think, was uh, 10 or 12 years old. Monty, how old were you then? I was around 11, 12 years old. Yeah. And I said, this is going to become a public ordeal. And um, what do you think I should do? Because I don't want to hurt you. I said, I have one of two choices. I can walk away or I can stand and I can fight. And Imani's response was, mom, can I say what I think? I said, absolutely. And she says, you fight your ass off because they're, how they're treating you for all that you've done for everybody is so wrong. And that was just like the most empowering thing for me is for her to have that moment. But it got to a point over time when all these feelings and emotions started coming out on Imani that there was threats of suicide. And Imani, can I tell them about the one time where you tried to commit suicide? Go ahead. <laughs> she was in the bathroom upstairs. And, and of course, because of my disability, I rarely ever went upstairs um, because it was such an ordeal for me. And um, she finally had to call me from the bathroom to tell me, I'm in here trying to kill myself. I've been in here a long time. And uh, so I got somebody to go up and check on her. And um, her uncle Raymond came by and was talking with her and he relayed to me that he asked her why she had done that. And she said, I wanted to know if anybody cared if I would not be here. He said, well, if you had done it, you would have never known their response. She said, oh, I didn't think about that. But sometimes just they cry for help. So over time, I gave her an ultimatum. 
I said, look, I know you don't want to go back to the counselor that you're seeing. So either you see the one at school or maybe you go stay somewhere else because I can't stay here and be afraid to parent you because I'm afraid it's going to tip you over the edge and you're going to hurt yourself. So what do you want to do? And uh, she chose to go to the counselor at school. And that, that whole village began to pour into her. But over time, you know, we realized that she had some depression issues and we tried the medication. What was your thoughts on the medication, Moni? Um, and, and that suicide moment for you? Um, well, I think that being on antidepressants, it did help for the moment. It did help. It helped me kind of regain a sense of control in my life. But the doctors, um, they kind of thought that my depression was severe. So they kept upping my dosage. And I'm not the best at taking um, pills. I struggle taking um, birth control, which would help with my hormones, which would help calm me down. And I even struggle with that. So I would miss some. And when you spiral off antidepressants and you haven't, when your body has gotten used to them, you come down crashing hard, really, really, really hard. And I was, I was actually in college at that point, um, all by myself away from you who had actually been helping kind of keep me centered those past years when we had started working together. And it just didn't feel like the right decision for me. I didn't want, I wanted to be able to fight through my feelings opposed to covering them up with um, antidepressants, which it seemed like that's, that's what they were doing. So it helped in the moment. It helped me get a sense of where, what I could be in life, just having a routine, not letting my depression affect me. And I'm thankful for that. I just don't think personally I I like to stay on them. So I found different ways. What, what is your new direct release, Marnie? So, so Miss Kelly, this is when the week. <laughs> no, I haven't. You saw me lean in, lean forward. I saw my son yesterday and his eyes were, you know, I kept saying, open your eyes. And I think he opened them about as far as he could. And I just said, I love you. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, Lord, Lord. So I have a guess of what the answer is, but I'm not sure, Imani. Yes, I do self-medicate. I actually got my um, medical marijuana card from prescribed from a doctor. Um, I got that back in, what was it, 2018, I'm pretty sure it was. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I finally told her, because she knows I'm very honest with her. She kind of wrecked her car and uh, she said, she gave me this elaborate story and I didn't even argue with her. I just said, Imani, I just need you to know that I know that the story that you're telling is not true and that you actually ran into the pole because I went and found the pole you ran into. And she was high. So we had to come up with some boundaries. I said, Imani, just so that you'll know that I know that you are no longer taking marijuana as a medical, this is recreational because you high as heck and ain't nothing wrong with you today. <laughs> so I just kind of, so we started setting boundaries in yeah. terms of how to handle the marijuana. She could not smoke in, in the house. Right. She could not drive if she was going to smoke. Yes. Um, with, those were the two main two, right, Money? And then just, just be safe and smart about it. Like, don't don't overdo it. Me personally, I <laughs> I don't really smoke that often um, anymore. <laughs> anymore, I got you. <laughs> anymore, I definitely. I think what made me a little different is I wasn't. It wasn't really recreational. Um, when I was going through a lot of that, I wasn't a social smoker. I'd prefer just when I was feeling down just to go in my car, um, parked in, in the lot, parked in the parking lot, or um, just outside. But it, it really is 
I am definitely an advocate of uh, marijuana just because it really does help with those feelings. Um, I think a lot of people will overuse it and use it like just like the antidepressants as um, a cover up and to not deal with all of your feelings when in reality, that's not what it's meant for. If you're gonna use it that way, it's meant to be an aid in your everyday life to push you to get that motivation, you know, to go and set a routine. And you can't just sit in your in your rut all day. And I know going through depression, that's what it feels like. You don't have the motivation to do a lot of things that you once found joy in. And for me, marijuana, that was just a push for me to get that motivation to go and enjoy the things that I once used to enjoy, like going outside for walks. Um, I really got back into my artwork, which is really soothing to me as well. Um, it actually gave me the motivation, even though I don't like exercise, it gave me the motivation to go exercise and actually go to the gym and everything. So I just think that you have to be smart and do your research and not over overuse. You know what I mean? Like even Kelly, you know, your dream is for your child to go to college. And of course, as Monty turned 18, she talked about all these different places she wanted to go. And she wanted to go to somewhere coast. So finally we settled on Northern Arizona. And I was so proud. I, I did, ev I mean, like I did everything and it was a total, college was a total disaster. When I say a disaster, I mean a disaster. And um, finally she looked at me and she said, mom, over the summer, she goes, mom, I just want you to know I'm not going back to college. It's a waste of money because I'm not focused and I'm not learning. So until I grow into it, I, I, think, I think we should just move on. And, and when we talk about what we, our aspirations for our own children, I had to reevaluate at some point because now she's moving back in and I have my granddaughter with me at the time who's four years younger than Imani. And all three of us are in a one bedroom apartment and we're struggling financially. And that's when she was declaring her independence as well. And so we had to, we went through a very difficult part right at that moment when she was about 19 years old, it got, it, I think it became a breaking point for me as a parent. And um, we would bump heads because of things that I thought was inconsiderate, et cetera, I would address them. And finally, I just started praying and I just looked for some sense of guidance and did my homework and did my studying. But most importantly, I did an evaluation on me. And I had to realize at some point, Imani isn't gonna fit my dream. So I've got to support her in her dream and her journey. Imani is extremely intelligent and extremely smart, a hard worker. Like in high school, I gave her a choice. If you're not going to do athletics, you got to get a job. Okay, her stubbornness is she went and got a job the same day. The same exact day I said it, up, oh, mom, got a job. I said, oh, okay. And that was her senior year of high school. And she's worked ever since. Um, she works, she's worked. She, she will work and then get high after work now, but she will work. And we're still doing that. Don't get it. Don't misunderstand. We're still doing it. But I had to start to realize Moni's going to take the long route. I always tell her that she's going to go all the way around her elbow to get to her thumb. Whatever the difficulty of the lesson is, she's going to take the most difficult route. And I had to just plant seeds and get out of the way and be there to support her when she run into that wall that I've been telling her exist in her direction she was going. And she would literally keep going until she ran into the, into the wall and then she would learn her lesson and then she would move on. The one thing I love about that transition is that she would accuse me of being, what did you say, mining passive aggressive? Because oh, yeah. I wouldn't participate in your arguments and I wouldn't argue anymore. Yeah. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? I thought that it, in the moment, of course, I didn't appreciate it. 
<laughs> but I, I you wanted that conflict allowed you to release. And when I stopped participating in the conflict and just start supporting you. Yeah, there is nothing. I really think that it was definitely helpful. Um, also thought it was helpful when I was um, getting, you know, to be around 18, 19, that instead of trying to force me to think or see life one way, you would just give your input on a situation and say, take it or leave it. That's, that, that's all, that's all I gotta say. And it allowed me to grow into my own person and make my own decisions. Like you said, I definitely do take the long way. Um, I, that's something I don't, it, it sucks sometimes, but I don't mind because <laughs> when somebody tells me something, I just, I won't get it until I do it for myself. And so I really, I really definitely appreciated you not forcing me to, to make decisions that you thought were correct anymore and just gave your input. And of course, as I started getting older, I, I realized that your way was correct. I should, I should listen. That would save me a lot of trouble. <laughs> so I really, I really appreciate it. But like I said, I had to grow into that. You just telling me straight off the bat, I was like, no, I think I'll figure it out. But now I, I'd like to save myself some trouble. So I, I listen to you at every chance that I get. <laughs> On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. Kelly, you want to know the funny thing is that Imani and I would bump heads originally, but she would bring all her friends over to talk to me. My mom gives great advice. And so sometimes we're looking for them to say things to us in a way that we process them. And they're actually complimenting us and letting us know that they are present. If you would just listen between the lines on what they're doing and what they're saying. And um, that was one of her, that was one of the ways that let me know that she valued what I was thinking because is there a point where you're planting seeds, you don't know if that individual is receiving it because we're so used to planting and watering and, and tending to and harvesting. And we wanna see it all as a parent because that's what we do, especially parents who are, are high professional performers. You know, we want to see that in our children because that's become the model of what success is. And I'll tell you, honestly, one of the other struggles was, and I don't know, Monty, if this was a struggle for you, but some of the friend groups we grew up in, their children seemed to be blossoming, going to all these major institutions, and my child wasn't, you know. Um, so it was, um, I had to, I had to separate what was great about my child's journey, but not in comparison to someone else's. And um, that way I can continue to learn, love and support and know that in the end, she's going to be okay. But what is okay for us? That's right. Okay, okay can't be the model of what we think it is. Okay means she's safe. Monty doesn't gossip at all. Like she never has anything bad to say about anybody. She researches in her own way. And I had to respect that. Like she's, she will be on the internet or, or on social media and she's picking up tidbits about life. And then we would discuss those things. And um, that was her learning process. It wasn't in an institution at the time because she's not ready. And we found out the hard way, didn't we, Monty? <laughs> I mean, about that. <laughs> I definitely, I will say, um, it was weird with the whole college thing because you were a university coach. 
I was around college, you know, age college things since I was very young. So the ex expectation was always to go to a good university. Um, I was in a college prep middle school. We were prepping for college since middle school, sixth grade, actually. So I, I don't play with us. We was getting ready. I just need y'all to know we was getting ready. It, definitely I, she she like, was. I was. Go ahead, Monty. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, it, everything about my life, I was fully expecting myself to go to a university. I was fully expecting myself to go to a high ranking college and thrive in that environment. But reality set in and I actually got to college and I realized that it just wasn't for me. And I wouldn't say college in general wasn't for me because actually when I came back from Arizona, from NAU, I registered at SDCUU, so something like that. It was San Diego City University or, um, College. But I actually really enjoyed um, my experience at my junior college just because the classrooms were smaller. At university, we had classes that were 400 plus people. The teacher didn't really know you like that. I know they always say to go up to your professor, introduce yourself, et cetera, talk to them. I personally struggle with anxiety. I don't like talking to new people like that, especially in a, a room where they have multiple classes of these 400 students. Like I just didn't feel comfortable with that. And going to my junior college, we had classes of around 20 people, 25 people. Um, my teacher actually held me very responsible to showing up to class, which was a struggle in university. Nobody held me responsible of waking up, getting out of my dorm room and going to class. I just, I got more responsibility actually because I started working a time job. And so on my two off days, that those were my school days. I would be in class all day and it was a good routine for me. I actually really enjoyed it. And then the pandemic hit and um, I kind of fell off of that just because I'm not that good. I have to be held responsible. Um, I need face-to-face -face interaction. That's my style of learning, um, going online over the phone um, in classes of really big people that doesn't work for me. That's not my learning style. So I learned my learning style. It was a trial and error process. I wouldn't say that I regret not going to a university. I'm definitely grateful for the experience. It was just shocking kind of preparing your life for that and then it not turning out like that. Because I did want, I did want to go to university. I did completely um, see myself living the college, the college life. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm mad that I didn't, but I, I, I appreciate my mom kind of allowing me that space to grow and not forcing me to stick with university, not forcing me or making me feel bad about going to a junior college. I really appreciate mm. that. And I think that's really important for everyone to hear is that mm. when they make a, a poor decision, we forget we made poor decisions. And because our decisions were different, you know, Sometimes we don't realize it's all the same. It's just poor decisions and allowing them to make those mistakes and grow, but still believing in them throughout the process. Me and Monty would actually get in arguments about her being smart. I wish you would quit saying I'm smart because I'm not. I said, I don't care how often you say you're not, you are, you can't change what you are. And I would leave it at that. And, uh, uh, but I would say it enough that she knew I meant it, but I would say it in a way, in a respectful way in that whether you use your intellect or not, you have it. Whether you use your talents or not, you have it. It's your choice what you do with them. And that was a difficult challenge mm -hmm. to make because too often we see the potential in our children and we want them on our time length. I think all the intellect and all the gifts Imani has eventually will come to surface. You know, she may be in her late 20s, early 30s by the time she matures into the greatness of who she is, but it's not on my timeline. And I have to be allowing 
of that and support her in whatever, because the Lord knows if I talk to her five times a week, um, three of those, she done got to change of direction. And, <laughs> and I just have to go, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the difficult thing to do is because we want to jump in and say, stick with the other plan. It was so much better than the one that you're thinking about right now. But eventually just by her voicing it and having a safe place to voice, knowing that there's not going to be any conflict, she goes, okay, I changed my mind. I don't think I want to do that. And I've said mm-hmm. very little. And um, that was probably the most difficult thing to do. And by being passive aggressive meant that um, she knew I didn't like some of the behavior that she was displaying at the house because she would get very angry and just go off. And um, mm-hmm. I took the blunt of, of, of it because everybody else just loved Imani. And then I would, I would, I would uh, be there and um, taking the blunt of the anger and the other side of her personality. And it finally got to a point where I had to choose peace over right. I might have been right in what I was doing, but battling to be right with your 17, 18, 19 year old child, it's a wasted fight. And the only one that was stressing over the fight were me. She'd say what she got to do and and just move on. And I would still be there angry at the disrespect and the disregard that was occurring in that conversation. So it got to a point where I just said, I'm not participating anymore. Right. I I wish I had known that three years ago. The power of that and saying, I'm what you said earlier, Bev, I'm going to focus on me and then support her dream. And you also talked about planting those seeds because she confirmed she heard all the seeds and even recommended you to her friends, but was showing up differently in the house, disrespectfully, whatever it was, which I can relate to with my 19 year old. So I wish I had heard this then, can't get the time back, but what I can do moving forward is learn to just be, allow them to be, give them space. One thing I want to ask about, and someone else is asking about in the chat, in terms of the medical marijuana. So my child is uh, partakes like many of the parents here as children. The medical marijuana and getting a card, you mentioned you got that in 2018. Was that something, so you were what, 18 at the time. So was that something you did on your own or Bev, did you assist with that? And how does that work as someone who's considering like, how does that, that seems safer than just getting it off the street or some random store. Can you talk more about that? Mom, did I talk to you? I think I talked to you about yeah. that. Yeah, she had done all her research and came in ready, like, boom. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> so I, I tell you what, then let's go to the doctor and we'll sit with the doctor. And because the same doctor, she's had the same pediatrician in California as she, she had her one in Texas, but now, so we went in and we sat down with the doctor and the doctor said, I think this will really help her. Mm. And especially since, oh my God, when she would take the antidepressants, she would be floating, but she doesn't like taking pills. So I could tell when she's missed them. And um, when she missed them, it's like she said, she would crash and burn into this other person. And I was like, whoa. And so we went and um, we sat down together with the doctor. We went through the whole process, but at some point she was getting like to our point where she didn't see it, I thought so. And I finally told her, I said, now, that's when I told her, I said, sometimes this ain't medical. Sometimes you just getting high. And Kelly, it even got to a point where I would drop little little seeds in there. It's like, Monty, um, smoking marijuana, also can damage your lungs. So just be careful. Occasionally do the gummies or something like that. And then she said she stopped smoking as much and then started vaping. And I had to drop the same thing on her on vaping on what what vaping does. But I had to let her come to a place on her own and and she would do her research and she'd come back and, and make a decision. But I had to be okay with whichever decision she made based upon information. 
So Monty, I'll turn it back over to you. Um, yeah, I think that it was it wasn't a hard process. I think the hardest thing about um, trying to get my medical marijuana card was speaking actually to my mom, who I knew was not going to be a fan of you know smoking, which understandably, like most parents are. Um, so, but I just. I got to an age where I didn't want to hide things from her anymore. I had gone through my age of, you know, lying to cover my own self. And I just, it didn't feel good anymore. I wanted, I knew that this was a possibility to help me. So I had to put my pride aside and kind of sit down and have that honest talk with her. And I really appreciated that she didn't go off the rails, didn't freak out, didn't try to punish me or force me to but she actually sat down and listened and said, okay, well, you think that this is a uh, possibly something to help you, another alternative, let's let's go figure this out. And um, speaking with- Did it impact your anxiety or anything? Did it help you, said? Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Smoking does definitely helps my anxiety. Um, that's why I still engage today. I think that, like you said, it definitely, it helps to do your research with it because there's a lot of different things that goes into smoking. Um, there's some things that will make you, it will increase your anxiety, actually. It'll make you more paranoid, et cetera, et cetera. Others will help mellow you out. They are, they do have the gummy versions if you have any pain or trouble sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. Um, those definitely help you just you really have to do your own research and getting that medical marijuana card it definitely helped for me I was able to go in a safe environment able to in California they had um, dispensaries available so I was able to go in there kind of speak with the people in there and see what would really help me with the problems that I was going through when I was using recreationally of course and it is definitely way safer than trying to especially if you're in high school or just as a young trying to go around talking to people, trying to figure out where you can get something because I really don't trust, I don't trust a lot of, a lot of that out here. Um, people, they just want to make a quick buck and they're not really caring about someone who actually wants to use this to help their life. So I definitely recommend getting a medical, a medical marijuana card. Definitely. I'm doing, going about it safely. Um, about the lying thing. The lying was horrendous. And she finally looked at me one day. She said, you know what I was thinking? I said, what were you thinking? She said, I don't think I'm going to lie anymore because I keep getting caught. And that makes a bigger, bigger problem than even what I'm trying to cover up. So I, I don't think I'm going to do that no more. And <laughs> oh my God, Kelly, it, mm. the truth just on everything. She, she should be looking at me like, you really want to know? Yeah, I love that you have that honesty and you have that open communication. And I think so many of us, particularly in high school, like you've touched on, when some of these challenges start to arise, you know, most of us, I'll speak for myself, are not that uh, patient, don't have that level of understanding or uh, personal um, peace in order to do what you did, Bev. So I just want to, that's so amazing. And um you know, I just had to separate myself from what I desire in the image of what I want my child to be and what I think would be acceptable to society to loving my child in her space. And that's a hard thing to do when there's negative behavior and, and, and they're in such opposition of what your vision for them is and what you know their capabilities are is to stay in that space. But I had to get to a point where I had to realize I have things I need to work on in me. And if I ain't worked on everything in me, how can I expect her to be all that she could be in the age in which she's living? And we often think that they have it so much better than we had growing up. Right. But because we had external challenges um, in terms of racism and and opportunities and struggling to make ends meet growing up, their struggle is different. 
It's all internal. So it's all invisible struggle. Right. And it's important for us to recognize that a struggle is a struggle and there's no level of struggles within people. It's how that person processes their own struggles. It's the degree of it and the impact of it. And so it's understanding from their perspective, which is why I stay in tune with what they're, they're going through. They, they're the ones, she keeps me informed of what young people think and what young people do. And I have to be like, whoa, First of all, thank you all both for being so open and honest and Imani for sharing. Um, you remind me so much of my eldest. Uh, and, uh, you know, in Maryland, marijuana is not legal. So, you know, in California where you were living, it's legal. So that is, that's another factor where I think many of us are so worried about our sons and our daughters, particularly in states where they're partaking in a drug that's not legal yet in the state, so it just adds a whole nother level of complexity. And so as you talk about, and our children need to be really careful, I love your comment around the medical marijuana. And uh, again, you know, speaking to the pediatrician, that's something I hadn't even considered. Like, that's not what you would normally go to the pediatrician to talk about. And so it's like, wait, what? So the fact that Bev did that with you, I'm just in awe of that as well. Um, but I think that that is something, if our children are partaking, you know, especially in a state that it's illegal, you know, I think there's some such validity and such power in doing it safely, which is what you've said, and that they can do it in a way that's, that's um, not going to hurt them. So I appreciate that. And I want to open up the floor. This has been so incredibly helpful. Um, if anybody wants to uh, put a question in the chat and there is somebody who has raised their hand, let's see. Yes, please feel free. Thank you both. Thank you, Beverly. Thank you, Armani. I think that you are uh, the dynamic duo. And I appreciate both of y'all. And I appreciate Armani, particularly your your vulnerability, your transparency, and just stepping up and stepping out. So thank you. So here's my question for both of you. Right now, I'm going through a family challenge. Um, I haven't spoken to my sister in a week. She has no children, but she yet she's the authority on child raising. And she is always giving me her opinion about how I uh, hover over my children. I don't allow them to make their own choices. I'm too, um, you know, I'm too giving to them. And I'm just, in her words, in her words, really ridiculous. And this is oftentimes said to me in a shouting match. And so I've chosen for a week to just stay away to get my own peace back. But what I want to know, Beverly, as a parent, how have you dealt with the challenges of folks um, of the peanut gallery? telling you how, what, what you should say, what you should do when it comes to Amani, or have you dealt with that? And if you have, please tell me how <laughs> best to deal with these situations, because I am, I was actually supposed to go to my sister's last night and have a talk with her, but I purposely put it off until today when I saw what the subject matter was, because I wanted to get your input. So thank you. You're welcome. And, um, First and foremost, I would say this. Um, whenever anyone would criticize me, because I got, I'm, 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 I'm really, I've always been criticized for my approach simply because it's different. And um, I've been told I was too soft on Imani, that I was enabling Imani. And um, I don't care. I really don't care. What I care about is her health and well being. I hold her accountable with truth and what she does with that truth is on her. I set boundaries on how she would treat me and, um, and I held true to those boundaries. But the traditional way of what everybody, forcing her to stay in college or kicking her out when she turns 18, no, I didn't do that. And punishing her constantly. I, you know, when Monty was little, I would, Take, I got her a flip phone when everybody had iPhones just to punish her one time. And she walked around and pretended like she loved the flip phone. Like, watch me flip my phone, mom. Watch me flip my, and I'm saying, like, this is such a waste of energy. And 
you have to decide, am I going to keep fighting my children to satisfy people or am I going to do what's best for my child with where she is? Because ultimately I'm responsible for providing her with a foundation on which she can grow independently from me. That's critical. If we're not as parents doing that, but we're trying to hold on to the child and our child, you know, after they've turned a certain age, now I'm starting to prepare you for life. People didn't realize Imani enrolled herself in college in Northern Arizona. I made Imani go and speak to the counselor. I made Imani speak up at different places. I made Imani make her own appointments. I made Imani learn how to do her laundry when she was six or seven years old. So what people are criticizing externally is that you don't fit the picture, but they're not looking at the growth that you're, that you're manifesting within your own child of planting seeds. So I didn't care anymore. What you think of me was not more important than the health and well-being of what my child needed. Now, I would ask you this. Every time someone would criticize or critique or give me advice, I listen. I listened to see what truth was in there. And if there was something truthful in there, I would say, aha, thank you, God. I need to change that. Because sometimes we throw out all the advice because we don't like how it, it comes to us and we don't like all of these other things. But the, at, at the end of the day, every bit of information and every encounter we get is given to us for a reason. Maybe it's to challenge yourself to see if what you're doing is right. And sometimes questioning ourselves, I always look at the why. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I demanding this of her? Why am I my expectations? Why, are, why am I angry about how they came at me? It's the why that matters. Yeah, I completely agree with everything that you just said. Um, I think once you definitely get past that that kind of point where you do value so much what other people have to say, you have to realize that no parenting style is the correct parenting style. I think that it based all it's based all on kind of how your kid is. I don't think that one mold should fit everything. I think that you definitely have to adjust and that is that is a hard part of parenting. I give every parent in here amazing props because I know it's not easy to deal with a kid. I know it's not easy to deal with a teenager and it can't be easy listening to other people critique when you think that you're doing your best. So I think that just like what you said, listen in case that there are any truths, but just stay true to what you think you're doing best. And also, if you can ask your child, how can I, how can I help you better? Like, what, what can I do to assist? Um, am I not listening to you? Am I not understanding completely? It's just those, those hard talks that kids might not want to have, but it, it's necessary. That question, how can I help you, is so incredibly powerful. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And thank you for what you just said too, Bev, and for that question. Uh, we have time for one more comment or question. And so anybody else want to ask a quick question before we close out? There's a comment in the chat about, my husband has traditional ideas about parenting and is critical of my parenting style. So I'm not sure if you have a comment on that, Bev. I think. Do you want to comment? I, on that? I think that when that happens, you just have to have a conversation in your house and get an understanding of what that means. Because sometimes traditional means in our community, especially the African American community, it means a child should be seen and not heard. And we live in a generation where if we're not having conversations, if we're not understanding their level of access to information. They are very informed, but they don't have the capability and maturity to process all the information. So what they're reading, they take at face value and move on. And it's up to us to be able to have those conversations. But if we can't have open conversations as adult to adult, then we are going to struggle with child to adult. And the traditional way no longer fits in this generation of independent children, because 
you know, we used to have to go to people to ask for information. Now they can hit a button and get information. And not all information is correct, just like marijuana. If you're getting it off the street or you're getting it from your friend, they could be lacing it, which could lead to um, greater difficulties. The one thing I always say to Imani, please be safe, please be smart. Please be safe, please be smart. Those are my two requirements. And find a way to be happy. Find a way to have peace. And so recently, over this last six months after, you know, she's, she's gone through some growth things in her personal journey, she says, I'm seeking peace. And it's taking me 10 years of saying that word for her to finally embrace it, but the consistency and then modeling what you want them to be as opposed to telling them what you want them to be. If you want them to be loving, be loving. If you want them to be accountable, be accountable. You know, we have to be all that we desire to see in others, in ourselves first. And it is, we live in a society that everything is external. We see the things around us. We see what, how people view us, but it's an image. What I want to know is, can you feel me? Can you feel the love and the authenticity of the love that I have in my heart for you? That's the key. I love that. And that's what your book is all about. So I just want to remind people, Beth has an incredible book called Believe It, Speak It, Do It. It's incredible. It talks about her entire journey and the entire focus is about finding peace within your purpose. And so thank you for this. Please support that. Um, And I know we're out of time. I just want to say, ironically, I want to say two things. One, in terms of peace, yesterday's daily word popped up and I was in the middle of dealing with some ish. And so this popped up in my feed and I just want to read this. And then I want to close this out in a prayer, but it says this, it's called inner peace. I live a peaceful life. And it says the storms of life sometimes leave me thinking I am caught in the swirling winds of a hurricane, trying to steady myself and keep myself, my footing. Today, I remember that at the center of every hurricane is the eye, a place of perfect stillness. I find the peace in this serene center and return to it whenever I need to still my mind and calm my feelings. With practice, I begin to live my life from this place of perfect calm and tranquility. No matter how hard the winds of life may blow, I return to my center again and again to find a place of perfect peace. I bless all others with my peaceful bearing and kind deeds. Peace grows within my mind and heart as I share it. I am ever mindful that I am one with spirit and with all people, which is exactly you, Bev. And I just, I saw this yesterday. It popped up. Like I said, I was dealing with the situation at the moment and uh, it, it was just such a powerful passage Uh, Number one. And number two, it just embodies who you are and how I've experienced you my entire life knowing you since 2007. And it just speaks to the beauty and power of your relationship with Imani. So just want to say thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, The conversation was amazing. So many people are saying thank you for the honest and transparent conversations. Great share. Um, (coughs) Really, really appreciate you both and everybody who's called in. Dev, did you want to leave us with one, any last words or Imani before I close this out? I would just like to say, if we're in conflict, we're in ego. And the one thing that we don't want to be in is in our ego. We want to live within our spirit, which is a very loving, honest, open place. It allows people to be who they are around us without influencing um, the greatness that exists within both of us. So please When you speak with your sister today, speak in love. Pray that the message will be received on your part and given on your part in a place of love. And that's where everything, even with our children, that's where it has to start. Mm. If I'm not in that place, we will not be conversing. Mm. That's the bottom line in my journey. I love that. Thank you so, so much. I'll say a very brief prayer and uh, then we'll be off for our day. Thank you again. Thank you, Father, for allowing uh, Bev to be here this morning uh, with Imani to share their love and their powerful knowledge and insights on 
how we can best create relationships with our children. Help us have faith over fear. Help us learn to plant seeds and stop fighting. Help us love our children unconditionally and untraditionally and learn to love them on their personal journeys versus what we think their journeys should be. Help us continue to work on our challenges and protect our children. Help lead us and guide us and love us and provide us for us. Thank you again for this time together this morning. Thank you, Coach Bev. Thank you, Amani. And thank you in advance for your help today and in the week ahead. We also ask that you continue to cover and protect all of our children and help keep them safe. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Have a beautiful day. Stay safe out there. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 